Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Play On Review, the show where we review every game of AFLW. I am Rana Hussein, and with me is the coolest footy analyst going around, Gemma Bastiani. Hello. Do we like cool? I don't, just don't know where that came from, but all right. Go with it. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it came from. Um, how's, your, how's your weekend been, Gemma? Well, yeah, as you said, ups and downs. I mean, uh, obviously there was a result on Saturday that wasn't my favourite, but, um, you know, the result that came after was a little bit more uh, how I wanted it to go, so I was happier with that. And then, obviously, Thursday night, the Swans got a win, which is great. So, yeah, 11 games of footy. I can't be too mad at the weekend, right? What about you? No. Yeah, look... It was nice to have all the games, to watch all the games from the couch this weekend. I was, um, I did the same thing last weekend too because I was away. But this time around it was kind of nice and today's footy weather was lovely <laughs> to watch footy from the couch again. So that was, that was good. I did have um, lockdown vibes actually today. Oh, really? Because um, we were indoors. There's nothing really else to do but watch football. Remember that festival of footy period during so festival of footy year. of just or just barrage of football barrage of football football every day of the week and I just I don't know I just kind of got a feeling that that feeling again today because um, it was colder as well probably I think yeah it was cold we were just all bundled on the couch watching the telly anyway um, but a lot to talk about we've got grand final contenders it's incredible we do yeah which is kind of terrifying as well that the season will be over in a week i really feel like last week's finals were exciting and uplifting even going into them regardless of the results this week i felt a tinge of sadness that we are heading to the end like it really feels like a bummer as much as exciting as it is to have a grand final and and we didn't get finals really last year. I am so sad to see this season and I've loved this season so much. I think seeing some of the announcements during the week in the lead up to the prelims probably put that stamp on it being the end of the season as well. I mean, two clubs have already done their BNFs. Um, David Lake has yeah. stepped down as the Gold Coast coach. 
um, whole bunch of this some retirements happening. So I think we've, we're past the point of it exciting finals and into the point where it's like there are still some games, but there's all this sad stuff happening as well. I know. I guess we still have uh, the W awards to look forward to post grand finals. Mm-hmm. So there is that. But yes, it is a long wait then after the AFLW season what ends. What am I going to so do with my life? I'm going to have to get into the VFLW, I guess. Uh, Finstagram is saying who wins the AFLW grand final and why. I'm going to leave that question for Julia and Gemma to ha- break down over their preview of the grand final when that comes out. So. Um, we don't want to give it all away just today. <laughs> um, let's talk about the games from the weekend. Boy, oh boy, Adelaide versus Melbourne on Saturday at Adelaide Oval. Adelaide decisive in their win against Melbourne. Sadly for us, five three thirty three to Melbourne's one nine fifteen. As fired up for this game as I was. It started, and I will admit, I was a little bit bored. Were you? Or was it just me? Um, yeah, I, I I probably wouldn't use the word bored. I'd use the word frustrated because I don't think at any – although Adelaide controlled the game, I don't think either team got any free-flowing footy into the game. And I think for that reason, it felt – very frustrating both ways and you know even when Adelaide kicked their goals it was a couple of free kicks or it was that remarkable Eloise Jones goal from the boundary it wasn't like you were seeing running football or anything like that which we've seen both of these teams play a lot of in recent weeks and maybe that shock to the system was what it was. Yeah board's probably a harsh word but I felt a bit um let down by the game or it wasn't uh, maybe I was really amped up to it wasn't the best contest I don't know the broadcast seemed really dull as well <laughs> like it just nothing it just just didn't feel like a final it just I was a bit um anyway I just finished my kids sixth birthday party too so maybe I was bringing some low energy to the game too it's a very real possibility. but you know it wasn't you know I mean, tell me, look, the Ds just never looked like they were in it to me. Yeah, so Adelaide's pressure on the ball really stood out um, in this one. Melbourne weren't running as well as they have in the past to create outlets for their teammates and kind of create that second ring around the contest to allow that exit. And that Adelaide just Mm. lapped up and pressured the ball carrier. The tackle stats were 76 to 52. Adelaide won them by 24, but I think the perceived pressure was just off the charts as well. You'd look at a player like a Rochelle Martin, who looked like she was constantly attacking the ball carrier. She only registered three tackles for the game, but the perceived pressure, her running and, and what she did around the ball was just everything. And from that, Melbourne couldn't get any free ball movement. Couldn't get any uncontested possession going. Adelaide won that 125 to 97. Um, so it's worth noting that it's the first time this year that Melbourne have lost that metric. Um, they've come right. come even in at once this year, but it's the first time they've lost it and by a significant margin as well. So Melbourne just couldn't get any clean ball, vo- ball movement. So then everything else became so, so much harder and it was just endless from there. 
it was always going to be tough traveling, traveling to Adelaide. That's a formidable ground to play on with the home crowd. Uh, and it just, yeah, they didn't seem to quite pull it off. Should Daisy have played? Would it have made any difference? I don't know that that would have made a difference. I mean, especially if she was sitting in the forward line and, you know, as much as we love Daisy and she's amazing and, and we want to see her playing finals, would an injured player or a player that's not at 100% fitness have helped in that circumstance when your issue is people not running to create options? Like that, I don't know that that would have made a difference. Mm. And the Ds just looked like they were making the same mistakes <laughs> over and over again to me. Yeah, so they played right into Adelaide's hands. So Adelaide want to find space in their forward line so that they can either run it in or find one-on-one matchups to hit up. Um, so by them wanting to do that, they've got their forwards pushing up higher up the ground and drawing mm. their uh, opponent, their defender, out of there as well. So all the contests, all the players were in the, their back half, meaning they were in Melbourne's forward half. So Melbourne just kept bombing to an outnumber in the air every single time. Adelaide won the aerial ball every single time. They also had representation at the ground to win it either if they didn't take the intercept mark. Once it came to ground, they won it there quickly and rebounded into their open space forward line from there. So it was just a really cleverly played game that Melbourne didn't adapt to at all. It wasn't like mm. they came out in the second half and found a, a way to fix that or found a way to hit up a shorter option or anything like that. They just kept doing it all day and never changed. So what do we make of the Ds from here? I mean, you know, people didn't uh, give them much of a go at the start of the season or think that they were going to get very far and they've done really well considering they've had a huge um, list change. Did they go further than anybody thought? Like, is it, is this... Is this as good as they can be, I guess? I think ex- externally they went much further than um, most people thought. Internally, probably not because they would have thought they could win a flag because that's how most teams go into a season. But, you know, given, as you said, the change in their list, uh, the fact that Alyssa Bannon and Eliza McNamara played every single game this season, um, I, I think... Tia Charlton was the only debutante for Adelaide to have played every single game this season. She was also the only player on their list heading into the season that hadn't played a game yet, so that's a bit of a cheat answer. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I think Melbourne have so much to build on from here and having had a few discussions with some people at Melbourne in the past week for something else that I'm doing, they have a lot of faith in a lot of the other four draftees that they took um, last year. Uh, to come in and have an impact in the coming years and particularly next year. So I think it's only upwards from here for Melbourne. Um, I think it is just a very frustrating place to end given the momentum they had going into the game. I can't wait to see what they do next season. I, I think that they've got a, long, a lot more to give and I'm excited to see them play. But it is sad to not have seen Daisy play a final So I'm hoping she goes around again and they get there again so we can see that happening. Before we move on to the Brisbane-Collingwood game, I want to ask you, have we learned anything about the Adelaide Crows that we didn't know out of this game on the weekend? Not necessarily that we didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. I think it just reinforces the fact that Adelaide are very smart 
and that they're adaptable. Mm. So Chelsea Randall, one of their most important players, went down fairly early in the game um, and won't be there for the grand final. But that during the game, it didn't. You, you barely noticed that she was gone. Not to offend Chelsea or the importance of her, no. but they were able to adapt. And um, I think that's the thing that sets them up really well for next week. Isn't that heartbreaking that she has had such a great season too and she won't play a grand final? What's going to be the second game she misses this year through the concussion protocol, the 12-day rule? Football really can break your heart. And your eye socket. Uh, And your eye socket, which we will get to. (laughs) Um, I don't have anything else to say about that game except that there was a lot of yelling. Um, by my partner at the TV to see that his D's didn't get up in the end, which was sad. I watched this one with my younger brother, who is the Melbourne supporter. You know, when I always say my whole family goes to Melbourne, he is one of them. Yeah. Um, he was pretty sad. <laughs> and I think he... You posted a picture of a very sad-looking yes, dog his, too. Yes, with the Melbourne blanket <laughs> on. Yeah, his, his yeah. dog was sad too. But I think it was just because he that was sad. our mood. Yeah. Um, and I think he was getting a bit frustrated at me being very pragmatic, um, which, Mm. you know, doesn't always go down well with people that are emotional at the time. So yeah, that's something I learned about myself (laughs) during this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to be emotional, emotional about the game, don't sit with Gemma. If you want a lot of great information about the game, definitely sit with Gemma. Uh, all right. I wish I was sitting with you watching this next game because it was a ripper. Brisbane versus Collingwood on Saturday at the Gabba. Brisbane, oh, just beat Collingwood in the end. 7-3-45 to Collingwood, 6-5-41. This was a much better game to watch, I thought. Um, it was a cracking. It felt like finals footy. The atmosphere felt like it was there, the Gabba clearly put on a good show. The broadcasters were up and about. I suppose they had a little bit more to work with. Um, I want to ask you first, before we get into the numbers of this, how did you feel about this win? Having written about Queensland football at the start of the season, um, how did it feel to see them make a grand final? Yeah, I mean, obviously you feel a connection to a lot of those people that you've interviewed and Uh, written about and spent six months of my life last year talking to and writing about. So I think um, all those things have obviously contributed to it. Um, I have always been a big fan of the Brisbane team as well, and I've really loved the way they've come back in the past two years from dealing with a lot of the expansion. I know that's been the narrative around them, but they are such an impressive side in terms of their balance across the board. And I think the leadership that Craig Stasevich provides, the leadership that Bree Brock provides, um, then filters down through the players. And I really loved seeing them just get the job done. And I think that was what the difference really was, is the the evenness of their contribution as compared to a lot of their opponents this year, including Collingwood on the weekend. I thought that uh, you're right. They seem to play real team footy. They don't have massive, massive stars that jump out at you. Um, although Lauren Arnell, there was a lot. There were a lot of Melburnians really excited to see Lauren Arnell get through. There'll be a lot of tears. She was in tears after the game. It was 
so emotional. And I did see, I did say that I was going to be on the Brisbane bandwagon after this you win um, because I was really, I really, I'm one of the, I'm one of those annoying Victorians that wants a Victorian team in any grand final. I know, please do shake your head at me. It is insufferable. It is insufferable. And then I was reminded on Twitter that, of course, Brisbane were first Fitzroy. So it made me feel even better about jumping on the Brisbane bandwagon. Sorry, Adelaide. Um, although I do think, anyway, we'll get there. Um, but let's talk about this game first of all. Uh, there were two players that I was excited about and they matched up against each other yet again. Of course, I'm talking about Kathy Spark and Bree Davey. Their head-to-head was just delicious. Tell me about that matchup. Yeah, so last time they met in round seven, um, Davy was kept to 14 disposals, which is well below her season average of, I think, 22 at the time. Um, this matchup, it, it wasn't necessarily as tight as we saw in round seven, but it was equally enthralling. So I think both players were much more attacking um, while also shutting one another down. So right off the bat, Bree Davy laid an incredible smother on a Kathy Svart kick that kind of set the tone. And then Kathy Svart comes back and she did a few things like that. And it was this big arm wrestle um, for the whole game, but it, not in a in your back pocket tagging role like we saw last time. And that was what I thought was really interesting was that both of them had thought about the matchup again because they knew that they were coming up against each other again and brought out more tricks. And it meant that both of them, again, played very, very well but in different ways. So just a few stats. So mm. Brie Davy ended up with 23 disposals in this one. She had four tackles, three inside 50s, three clearances, six intercepts, and 319 metres gained. So she was very much in and under, getting the ball in the back half and sending it um, forward, getting a bit of ground that way. Whereas Kathy Sparks, she had fewer disposals. She had 11, but she had eight tackles. So a lot of strength in the way she played and, and the willingness to follow the contest. She had six inside 50. So, uh, and I imagine you're all thinking of a couple of the, her runs through the ground, um, delivering mm. it forward. So that's her specialty. So she was able to get off the hook a little bit to do that. Um, she had two clearances, four intercepts and 257 meters gained. So I think a lot of people will look at that and go, oh, Brie won the contest, but I think they broke even because Spark was able to do what she wanted to do, um, slowed Brie down a little bit, but ran through the contest at speed, picked up the ball, moved it forward and got those inside 50s. So she got the six inside 50s, whereas Brie was able to be really strong at the contest, win it out um, and kind of protect the back half for Collingwood, which is what they needed against this running Brisbane side. So I do think that they broke even, um, whereas I think a lot of other people see it as a Brie Davy win in that matchup. Mm, I that's what I saw watching it. Um, so that's really interesting. I love that you said um, that they clearly had thought about it and they knew that they were going to match up again. I would love seeing that in the AFLW and I hope we get more of it because I love those one-on-ones. Um, that's my favourite part of the game, I think, watching contests like that. So I hope that becomes like I, I want a few grudges actually. Oh, they exist. Don't more. worry. Do they? they? Absolutely <gasps> exist. Tell what you have to. You can't just say that and leave you it. Just you watch some games back, and you'll pick them up. Oh, <laughs> I know that. Oh, let's not go down the road. I was going to say I know there's like personal ones. Let's let's not go down that <laughs> that rabbit hole. Um, 
The other person I wanted to ask you about was Chloe Malloy because it felt like Brisbane had really prepared for her because she seemed quite quiet and I expected her to have a big game. Yeah, so in 2021, um, if anyone has been on my Twitter tonight, they'll have seen me tweet this already, sorry. Um, So in 2021, against all other teams, so excluding the two games against Brisbane, Malloy has averaged 9.3 disposals a game, 2.7 marks and 1.2 tackles, and she's kicked 16 goals. So that's a quite a good return for someone that lives in the forward line, right? 16 goals in particular. Against Brisbane, so round seven and this prelim, she's averaged five disposals a game, so half of what she was in other games, one and a half marks and 0.5 tackles. So she's well down on those other things and she's failed to kick a goal in those games. These are the only two games this year that she hasn't kicked a goal. Um, Brisbane have just been so clever about the way they've gone about nullifying her and it's very much with Collingwood I know that Benici is very important I know that um, Norda is very important Uh, Lambert Livingston they're all very important players but I think with the way Collingwood want to play if you can minimize Brie Davies ability to um, use the ball in attack so use the ball in the forward half and you can prevent Chloe Molloy from kicking any goals, you go a long way Mm. towards stopping Collingwood. And Brisbane have shown this twice now. They really cracked that nut, didn't they? I feel like you've just... (laughs) Was that not a great turn of phrase? I'm not arguing with it. I just wasn't (laughs) expecting that to be said. I I feel like you just lit a fire under Chloe Molloy, to be honest. She actually did see your tweet on Twitter and she is now going to work really hard this off season to prove you wrong. Sorry, so sorry I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Look out, Brisbane. Uh, I wanted to ask you similarly, did you learn anything about Brisbane that we didn't know already? I mean, I do want to shout out Mal's comment here about Dakota Davidson kicking goals. Um, I, t- I really loved watching her this game. I don't know. She just... Oh, she got me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I did have a note about Dakota and uh, mostly Brisbane's bookends um, in this game. So I think that was what put them over the edge over Collingwood. So in the midfield battle, it was tight. Um, there was a lot of good stuff going on um, from both ends. Um Probably worth flagging that Talia Hickey won the hitouts in this game against Norda. Talia Hickey is a 20-year-old who has been nominated for the Rising Star. She had 20 hitouts in this game. She's a much smaller frame than Norda as well, and she did very, very well. And she beat Norda. Uh, effectively, yeah. yeah. I think Norda had 15 wow. and she had 20, but she just was very strong in the air, which I really appreciate and didn't expect to happen. Um, but it was the bookends mm. for Brisbane that did the work, I think. So in the defensive line, Brie Conan, her positioning was outstanding, especially in that last quarter. If you go back and, and watch the last quarter of this game, crucial moments where Collingwood were surging, Brie Conan's positioning to prevent that from happening was outstanding her ability to read the ball and read the play coming down the field is really really good um and then shannon Mm. campbell she's a very very much an attacking defender she was able to repel the ball um how many inside 50s did she have she had 
Five inter, uh, sorry, three inside fifties, five one percenters, five intercepts, and three hundred and eighty-four meters gained. So she really did get the ball moving out of defense. It wasn't locked down there. She got it out. And then you mm. look at the other end of the ground. Dakota Davidson obviously was the player. Um, she had twelve disposals, playing largely on Stacy Livingston, who is incredible fullback. But what Davidson mm. was doing was that she was getting up the ground where Livingston didn't want to go with her up the ground and then powered forward. So it caused a little bit of confusion with Collingwood's defense as to who was responsible for her at any one time. And I think that worked in her advantage. She also kicked the three goals, as we've said. She took five marks and two of those were inside 50. They were Brisbane's only marks inside 50. So she presented as an option up there, even when Wardlaw was, being, was quiet. Um, so I really liked... Davidson's work rate and I know that I say it every week but it's really relevant to her improvement as a player is her work rate up the field and then to push back is really important oh definitely and because you say it every week I've started noticing it and it's incredible she works so hard and I love to see her get the rewards for that um I want to ask you now which finalist has improved the most out of the four teams that played this is Amelia's question from earlier. Who show, who's shown the most improvement? Do you mean improved from last year? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah. Yep. I know people will expect me to say Collingwood, um, but it's got to be Brisbane. Brisbane, um, oh, that was another stat that I didn't write down that I meant to say. This weekend, it was the first time Melbourne ever lost an AFLW final, and it was the first time uh, Brisbane yes. ever won an AFLW final. This was Brisbane's first finals win. They've played in four. It's the first time they've won one. I don't, I don't understand that. Can you... <laughs> So they they played in the 2017 grand final and lost. They played in the 2018 grand final and lost. They pre- played in the prelim last year against Carlton and lost. They won this prelim. It's the first one they've won. Of course. Yeah. So I think Brisbane's got to be the the team. And if you look at the metrics as well, and, and I will probably write something about this either this week or next week. So keep an eye out, Amelia. But um, Brisbane's average score last year, I think, was 30 points or something around that. They're averaging 42 or something this year. So they've worked out their scoring without sacrificing mm. defence or midfield work to do that. And I think that is the sign of a really good club. Last year, they focused on getting the other things right. And now they've added the piece of the scoring and they're winning games for it. So good on them. But... It is every second year that Adelaide win a premiership in the W and they're, See, 
they didn't win last you year. You so. out of sanctum people believe in omens and <laughs> I not so much. <laughs> You're of the uh, factual stat variety. Didn't I say you? before that I'm pragmatic? <laughs> oh, I reckon it's going to be... Oh, I don't want to say it. Um, I actually cannot wait to hear you and Julia preview this grand final because I really don't know what's going to happen and it's very, very exciting. I am really sad that it's not going to be at the MCG. I understand. But I was so hoping that somehow we would get it at MCG. But wouldn't that be amazing? 2022, please. I get to drive to... Um, go to the Adelaide Oval for the first time, so that's fun. Yes, you're going to drive over. Yeah, with that's very exciting. Who- Megan Brewer of Siren, where um, we're heading over to cover it for Siren, and yeah, and then I have to power back because I got to work on Sunday morning. So it's going to be a busy two days. Oh my goodness, lots of caffeine for you. Mm-hmm. Um, this grand final is going to be a repeat of the very first ever grand- AFLW grand final. It's exciting. Um, Mal is saying no, 2022 is going to be an Optus Stadium um, grand final. I mean, yes, you are deserving of one, I think. So we'll We'll see. see. We'll see what happens. We've got to get through this one first. Um, I just love that we've already got a repeat, a repeat grand final happening five years in. I kind of uh, was hoping we'd get a new grand finalist or new premiership, um, team because I think that is such a great story and you know had Melbourne won it would have been a new premier but um you know it is what it is um Brisbane will be a great story if they do get up because of just their heartbreaking previous years although Adelaide well I don't know what they're doing over there but it's clearly working for them one team town (laughs) one team town yes well that will be I think that will be a massive conversation if they get up next weekend. I think there'll be a lot of people calling for a Port Adelaide side very, very soon. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was AFLW for the weekend. Very quickly, did you watch any men's games? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously. Is that the silliest question I've, I've ever asked you? Probably not. Oh, it's close. <laughs> it's close. I watched a lot of uh, men's games this weekend, as I want to do. But I'm going to ask you for your highlight first. Um, do you want just one or do you want me to just reel off both? Oh, you can reel off both. So um, the Saints have got to be one. Uh, Max King in particular kicking five goals. The Saints had a 53-point turnaround they were losing by 33 points and managed to kick the last eight goals of the game to come back. Dan Butler was instrumental. He kicked two goals, but they were at really important times. And then the other thing is that um, Brad Crouch, who I think there's this perception, and, and at Adelaide maybe it was an accurate perception that he just wins the ball, he doesn't do too much else. Um, he laid 12 tackles in this game, which is the second most of his career, and I think that's a really good sign that he's adding things to his game, which I really like to see. Um, Yeah, so eight goals straight from 22-minute mark of the third quarter and, uh, you know, the Eagles just didn't look like scoring at that point either. So massive props to St Kilda for being able to turn that around after such a poor, poor performance the week before. Um, And then the other one – sorry. Can 
Oh, I was just going to say, I have something to say about Dan Butler. <laughs> cut his hair. <laughs> he cut his hair, thank goodness, IMO. Um, but also, I was really worried about him this season because last season he did have kind of a breakout year a bit. Um, but I sort of was worried that that was maybe because people just weren't expecting him and so he wasn't tagged as much and this year was going to be the test for me and it started off a bit rocky, but I was so happy to see him in this game really stand up. Um, and I hope it continues because I think he's an actually really great player. Oh, absolutely he is. Yeah. And I think the addition of a couple of other small forwards there maybe spreads oppositions a little bit thinner so he can break out. So hopefully that continues to work for him. You mean like Jack Higgins? Like Jack Higgins. The other ex- <laughs> See where I'm going yes. with this. <laughs> Sorry, I stopped you mid highlights. That's okay. Real. So give me, give me your second. My other one, I didn't think about being a personal attack at you until we spoke earlier about this. Um, but I chose Robbie Gray's um, winning match, winning oh. goal. Uh, I'm a massive, massive Robbie Gray fan and he just knows how to be the guy in the important moments. Um, And the other thing is that Port had nine individual goal kickers and we know that something I love is hitting my mic, but also um, a good spread of goal kickers in in any version Mm. of the game because I think it shows team balance and that's something I love. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I like a good team win yeah. rather than superstars doing their thing. Um, look, I will accept it because Robbie Gray is quite great. I can't – I think about his goal from last year. He, do you remember his yes, match winning obviously. goal? I think, obviously. Yeah. I, do. I think – sorry, I forgot about that. Um, I think about that weirdly think about that goal a lot yeah like a lot or the tap against st kilda the pat yes. patty rider to gray oh my yeah. god yeah he's had so many of them those moments oh lord yeah. go away robbie gray <laughs> when you're playing against my teams but come back against other teams because you're great to watch <laughs> what are your <laughs> aflm hearts i mean look I'll start with the very on-brand one for me, which is um, the Melbourne FLM win today. What I'm calling a very mature Melbourne show. They really stood up and really hot, like a a previous Melbourne side would have lost that Mm -hmm. game um, under a bit of pressure from Geelong, but they really um, held on. They also were, Similarly, as to your point earlier, they were really unselfish. They all kind of laid tackles, did their little bit, which, you know, propelled the team forward. And it's just so nice to see after watching many, many, many Melbourne sides be disappointing. Um, it, it's, it feels really good to be, what, four and zero. Um, yeah, I know. I know what it, that feeling's like. <laughs> God, we're so smug, aren't we? Got to enjoy it while it lasts. But I wanted to shout out Jake Lever, mm. who had to really lead after Stephen May went off the ground and didn't come back on with a fractured eye socket, which what on earth, what is this game that someone could get a fractured eye socket 
far out. It looked so gross. Um, but Jake Lever was incredible. He, you know, he, he had little taps and his body positioning. Um, he really held that back line together. And I just thought, because Geelong really um, were pressing for a while there and, and they really held on, which was amazing to see. Um, the other highlight, which is just going to thrill you that I'm bringing up, <laughs> is the exciting game that feels like weeks ago now, but it was on Friday night. Thursday night. Friday Thursday night? night. Thursday night. Between Sydney and the Bombers, such a great game to watch. So close. Sydney. Stressful. stressful. I had a great conversation with you about the umpiring. <laughs> Um, well, and yeah, I mean, you were just asking me questions about umpiring and I was just <laughs> giving you a nothing answer every time just to make you <laughs> frustrated. Yeah. I was not super impressed. And look, I have no, um, I have no side in this fight, but I was not thrilled about the umpiring of that game, but I did think Sydney were pretty good. Yeah, so I knew you were going to choose this because I had chosen it and uh, you chose it instead. Uh, so I do have some stats. <laughs> I, there is a point I want to talk about with this with this game very, very quickly because I'm aware we're going long. But um, the thing that was impressive about this mm. was that the Swans proved that they can grind a game out as compared to pre the past three weeks where they've gone into the final quarter very well ahead. So in round one, they were up by 41 points at three-quarter time. Round two, they were up by 51 at three-quarter time. And round three, they were also up by 51 at three-quarter time. So they hadn't won a final quarter because they kind of took the foot off the pedal. In this game, they mm. went in down by a point going into the final quarter and they proved that they could still get the job done when coming from behind. Um, at one point they were down by 25 points or something. So they've proven that they can do both with this young list, with this game style. Um, early in the game, it was a bit concerning because uh, the Swans have been wanting to hit those field kicks and use the ball cleanly down the field that way. Essendon weren't giving them much space and smothering a lot of those kicks and they weren't coming off. So it was it was looking like a dangerous game, um, but then they sorted themselves out, worked out what they were going to do, and they fixed it all up. And then, save for some inaccuracy on goal, they actually dominated a lot, large portion of the second half, but just couldn't get on the scoreboard. So, it was a it was a character building win for Sydney, I think. Mm. I think for both sides, to be honest, Essendon should be Essendon fans should be really proud. They're really showing something now. Um, and it was a great game of football. And I will leave it to you and Julia to break down this grand final, uh, which will drop Friday morning. Is that uh, It'll probably be out on Thursday at some point. Uh, we're recording Wednesday night, so... Uh, send in your questions for it. If you've got questions about the grand final, please tweet at me um, or at Julia yes. or at Play On because we want to hear your questions. We want to answer them. Yes, I have a few requests of you if you are listening to this. Send in your questions. We love your questions and preferably before we go to air, um, especially for our, for our re- review because we do do this live. Uh but also, if you like what Gemma does, I would love for you to go on buy me a coffee forward slash no buy me a coffee dot com. Yeah. 
forward slash Gemma Bastiani yep. uh, and just chuck her a minute, just chuck her a fiver if you can spare it or more or less, whatever you like, because um, she's doing some impeccable work for us with her stats magic and she uh, would love some support around that. If besides that, where can people find you, Gemma, to ask their questions of you? Just hit me up on Twitter. I'm at GL Bastiani there. And I am Rana Hus on Twitter and Rana B. Hussein on Instagram. I love them both. So find me at both of those places. This audio will be online for you if you are watching it live as a podcast. Uh Mel is asking a question. How do we get both? How do we get you both on a proper TV review show? <laughs> oh, it was horrible just cutting after the games finished yesterday. I know it was very strange, wasn't it? And I am, we're, look, a bit of inside baseball. Gemma and I are feeling a bit weird about finishing up AFLW. Um, it's a weird time, I think, for women's footy fans so let's all get around each other and and keep talking about women's footy even when the FLW is not on but of course Gemma and I will be back talking men's football um and you'll get more of my stellar takes (laughs) and hijinks and Gemma's actual proper footy takes and also her hijinks I'll make sure there are some just magic. a lot of swans, swans <laughs> bias. So, and that's something that doesn't exist anywhere else. So we can go with it. Yes, a lot of where where others are impartial, we are very, very partial. <laughs> just for the swans. Um, <laughs> all right, this has been a long run run up to wrap up. So thank you so much for joining us, everybody on here on the Insta Live, but also if you are listening. Um, have a wonderful week and we will see you post-grand final. Thanks for joining us and play on. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 